Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Lance Meadow, John Schmelk, with you. Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved. Zero never tasted so good. Giants Lance heading into the divisional playoffs, taking on the Philadelphia Eagles on Saturday night. This is my favorite playoff weekend of the year. I say it every year. You get four usually good games before between four good teams, and I think we're going to get the same this weekend. And we'll dig into some of the matchups here. I've done that with, with Jonathan yesterday, and we did a little earlier in the week, too. But just from a big-picture perspective, you know, there are a lot of teams that will win one playoff game in a year. They'll lose, and, you know, the next year they'll disappear out of the playoffs. Not to say winning a play game, one playoff game is not a big deal. It is, especially given the fact that Giants hadn't won one since 2011. But once you start talking about NFC title games, that's a whole nother level. Like, this is, this is a level-setting game for the Giants. We talked about it last week, playing the Vikings— I thought it was a coin toss game. I think you thought it was similar, right? Whichever team played yeah. better was going to win. This is a different ball game. You're playing the one seed, the Eagles, top two, three, one team in the NFL, not just the conference the whole year. Clearly the best team in the NFC um, from start to finish until those last few games when Jalen Hurts was, was hurt. So this is like, I think... Obviously, the most important part is is getting to the NFC title game here and, and having a chance to go to the Super Bowl. But I think it also is going to show you how far this team really has come in the last month since they started playing better football off of that winless streak they had uh, heading into that Washington game. Well, because a lot has changed, really, for both teams. The Eagles are a bit banged up with Jalen Hurts coming off that sprained shoulder. He's not on the practice report, but we haven't seen him since that Week 18 game. And then... The Giants, they were able to rest their starters. It benefited them clearly last week based on their level of performance. But they're also a different team from the one that lost to the Eagles in a lopsided affair in Week 14. Yep. So you really you look at both regular season games, and you can make arguments to put a little substance in both of them, and then you could say, we're going to completely remove the substance from both it's of them. It's totally different than the Viking games last week, yeah. where you could really look at that Christmas Eve game and say, all right, this is going to be pretty similar, and I think it was. I'm not completely throwing these first two games out, but I, like you said, the last game of the year, I think you completely toss out. No starters for the yeah, Giants. Yeah, there's nothing to take away I, from I'm, that. I, I don't sure. take that seriously at all. 
And I think the first game, you see the things that the Giants can't do if they want a chance to win this game. They can't give up 250 yards rushing. They can't give up three 30-plus yard touchdowns, which happened in that game. You know, these are things... They can't turn the ball over, too. Correct. And they can't let Daniel Jones get sacked seven Seven times times. in that game, right? Can't do any of that if you want to win the game. So that's how I kind of look at that first matchup. But to your point, you know, the Eagles are playing their best football then. They're not playing as well now as they were then. The Giants are playing much better football now than they were then. So that's why I think, to me, this is a whole new ball game. It's a fresh start. These teams are very familiar with each other, but this team, I think, takes on a completely different life of its own that's different than the first two matchups. Well, the Eagles have a much better defense than the Vikings. It's not even close. I mean, this is a real push up. I mean, you were talking about it's a defining moment for the Giants. Well, it's also a defining moment for their offense to continue to produce at the level they've done over the last few weeks, and I do think they're playing their best offensive football. I don't even think it's close. Nope. It's been consistent. They've reached 30 points twice in the last three games. All encouraging factors. You see them win with the ground game the conventional way with Daniel Jones as a runner as well as Daniel Jones being able to spread the wealth. So very encouraging signs across the board. But it's one thing to do that, okay, in fairness, perspective is needed against the Minnesota Vikings twice and the Indianapolis Colts. It's another thing to do that against a very good Philadelphia defense, which has playmakers across the board. So this is going to be another one of those litmus tests. Okay, can this offense produce at that level, regardless of the opposition. That's what I'm very interested to see. But I want to get back to my point about the turnovers. And by the way, 100% agree with you. I'm bored 100%. We were talking about you can never turn the ball over. That goes without saying. But with Minnesota, it was more of, okay, you don't need a takeaway. You just need to make sure you protect the football because both of these teams are very close. And as long as you protect the football, you're going to be able to maximize your possessions and you're going to be able to beat the Vikings in a very close game. That's exactly what happened in the playoff game. You take away those two turnovers in Minnesota territory that happened in the regular season, completely different ball game, right? The and Giants, the punt, right. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Giants, though, put the Vikings in a position where they had to go the distance of the field and score as opposed to set up for a field goal. So there's that fine margin, that thin line that we're talking about. Yep. With the Eagles, the difference, the way that I look at it is you have to prevent yourself from turning over the ball to keep the game competitive and close because the Eagles, if they shorten that field and they get a sack or a strip sack and all of a sudden you give Jalen Hurts 30 yards to work with, more than often than not, the Eagles are going to capitalize. So to me, the turnover conversation is more about making sure you stay within striking distance with Philadelphia as opposed to with the Vikings. It was more of the difference between winning or losing on the final drive. And Pearson, don't cut this because they'll probably come back to haunt me. But if the Giants go minus two in this game turnover ratio, you can start doing your draft prep on Monday. I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah, I because mean, I can. think there's a huge difference between protecting the bowl against the Eagles versus the Vikings. And the Eagles are much better at taking it away. They're a top Very five, opportunistic. Yeah, tied for yeah. third or fourth. I got to double check what the numbers in, in terms of takeaways. Uh, they were one of the best ratios in the league most of the year, though it kind of came back to earth in that last month of the year a little Specifically bit. Specifically the last four games. What was the ratio in, in, in the first game in Week 14, turnover-wise? Week 14, it was actually minus one. Okay. But I count the punt issue. I mean, that's sure, a turnover, no, it's a right? Turnover, and absolutely. the Eagles scored 100%. a touchdown on the right, very so nice minus play. Two. Minus two, minus two if you want to look at it through that lens. In reality. Yeah. So, yeah, and look, the game can get away from you quick. You can't, you can't give the Eagles anything easy in this game. You have to make them work for everything that they get, and the Giants can't make mistakes. They have to, I will say it again, I'll say it with, said it with Jonathan yesterday, I'll say it again with you today, the Giants have to play their best football game they've played all year round, all year long. They have to play better than they did against Baltimore, 
They have to play better than they did against Green Bay. They have to play better than they did against Minnesota last week, and I think those are probably their three best victories, right? They play better than they did when they beat Washington in that big game. Got to play better than you did in all of those games if you want to go into Philadelphia in a playoff environment and win the game. I'm assuming here, Lance, and this is going to be a big deciding factor in how this game is going to be played, and this is how we'll treat it today, and you know, maybe we'll be wrong, and then we can talk about it differently on Monday. Jalen Hurts is going to try to be Jalen Hurts. They're going to use him like they, I think they're going to try to use him like they used him all year. He basically said, look, I'm going to play my game. It's the playoffs. And if I get hurt, I get hurt. That's basically what he said at his press conference this week. Now, maybe he tries to play the way he plays, and in the second quarter, re aggravates the shoulder and guard sure. missions in the game. That's possible. So that's why I think early in this game, it is important to hit him a little bit and you know kind of see where he's at in this game. So... How good is Jalen Hurts? Because if Jalen Hurts is MVP Jalen Hurts, the difficulty level's back up to 10. If he's week 18 Jalen Hurts, then maybe your difficulty level's at 7 instead of 9 or 10, at least in terms of defending the Eagles' offense. Because for me, and Jalen Hurts has made a lot of progress throwing the football, by the way. He's been great all year. All the credit to the man. He's been wonderful. In that Week 18 game, I didn't think he had as much zip on the ball as he did before the injury. But more importantly, I think generally speaking with the Eagles offense, Lance, Hurts' ability to run the ball really is the linchpin to everything that they do. It opens up the run game with Miles Sanders, right? He can keep the ball on the read options and run. Makes it easier on Miles Sanders. Makes it easier on the offensive line, right? Because... All right, you let one guy get in there. Well, he's mobile enough to get out of there and break a tackle and go run for a first down or make a play. He makes it easier on the receivers because opponents can't play a lot of man-to-man defense because then their backs are turned and Jalen Hurts can go run for a billion first downs. You can spy him, but then that takes someone else out of coverage. So his ability to run, and by the way, it's the same thing for Daniel Jones, and I think Daniel Jones has to have a big game with his legs for the Giants to win this game too. Same impact. Jalen Hurts' ability to run and run like Jalen Hurts wants to run. He wants to run like a running back, right? He's 220. He's built like you've, it. You've yeah. seen all the squatting videos at Alabama. He wants to run over people. If he's that guy, it makes the Eagles offense so much more difficult to deal with. If you know, if he's the guy that's going to slide when a guy gets within three or four yards of him, then he's not as dangerous. So whether he's able to execute that, I think, really is going to impact – in a lot of ways, how this Eagles offense can function. Well, there is no tomorrow for the Eagles because if they lose, then obviously they're not going to be able to have another game. So I would think that Hurts and the Eagles are going to adopt the philosophy of he's going to lay it all out on the line. And if he re-aggravates himself, they're going to have to worry about that with respect to the next round. But I am expecting to see a different Jalen Hurts from Week 18. Now, whether or not he has more zip on the ball, that remains to be seen. What I'm expecting to see is a guy that's willing to run. That's my point because I do think the Eagles' offense is completely different when he looks to run and I've brought this up multiple times I'll say it again it's very similar to the Ravens you take Lamar Jackson off the field they're a completely different offense you put Lamar Jackson on the field now you have to account for every single time he snaps the ball Lamar could take off every time you snap the ball to Jalen Hurts Jalen could take off Mm -hmm. so you have to account for one or two running backs in the backfield depending on the personnel they have out on the field or the quarterback taking off if you don't have to worry about Jalen Hurts running and I don't think the Giants defense needed to do that I mean, you're talking about that's one less headache that you have to worry about. So if I'm the Eagles, I'm having a serious conversation about how many runs you want to give Jalen Hurts, how many hits you're willing for him to absorb as a runner, and then pick your spots throughout the game to determine 
whether you want to do that because if the Giants get a good read on the fact that Hurts is unwilling to run, then it completely changes the game. Now this becomes more of a conventional rushing attack for the Eagles, so you're more concerned about bottling up Miles Sanders, not letting him get some of those big runs, and then you hope that you can man up on the A.J. Browns and the Devontae Smiths of the world yeah, if you I don't think, have to worry yeah, about it. You can focus a lot more on the receivers sure. if you yeah. don't have to worry about it. And Dallas Goddard, let's yeah. not forget, he didn't 100%. play in that Week 14 And Chris matchup. Watkins, who's also a good player. Sure, he can stretch the, the field as well. Follow a Giants on Twitter and retweet to earn a $100 Team Store gift card and Modelo prize pack. For every point the Giants score, one lucky fan will win. 31 fans won last week because the Giants scored 31 points. Drink responsibly. Modelo, a special beer imported by Crown Imports. Chicago, Illinois, 21 plus. All right, let's get to the phones in just a minute at 201-939-4513. Last thing I want to throw at you, Lance, before we get there, and I asked Jonathan this question yesterday. I'll throw it to you now. What do you think this Giants offense and defensive approaches are going to look like in this game. You know, I think you'll probably see more blitzing against the Eagles than we saw against Minnesota last week. That was their low ebb of the year in terms of blitzes. So I imagine we're going to get a little bit more of that. Are we going to get back up to that 50% area? I don't know. I'm not sure if you are. You know, they blitzed the, you know what, out of Jalen Hurts in that first game, and it did not go well. Yeah. So, he made him pay for that. And now, Hertz has not been great under pressure this year. I think we've all seen the stats posted on Twitter and all that stuff. But, you know, I think maybe they'll back it off a little bit. But I do expect there to be more pressure and than, than we saw against Minnesota two weeks ago. And then offensively, Lance, for me, again, number one rated pass defense in the league. 70 sacks for the pass rush. They got a million guys inside and outside. I could sit here taking the rest of the show to list all of them. Bradbury, Slay, they're good cover corners. Uh, Chauncey Garner-Johnson's back. He's playing the slot for them now with uh, Vontae Maddox, Maddox not yep. playing. He's a good player. You know, Epps is a good safety. Blankenship's doing a nice job back there, too. You know, there aren't a ton of weaknesses on this Eagles defense. So I think the Giants are going to have to—it's going to have to be more of a run game this week, a little bit. You know, this can't be a 45 drop-back game for Daniel Jones. That could get ugly real quick with that pass rush. It really can. So uh, for me, I think it has to be a little bit more Barkley, a little more DJ with the run, and— can Evan Neal hold up against Hassan Reddick and Brandon Graham? You know, that he couldn't the first time they played. Can he do it this week? And then on the other side, the other matchup I'm watching, and I put this in my preview, which is on Giants.com. I tweeted it out earlier in the week. Go check it out. Dexter Lawrence has to win against Jason Kelsey. He doesn't have to dominate Jason Kelsey. Kelsey's too good. I don't expect him to dominate a future Hall of Famer. But he's got to win. You know, we got to notice him. I said to Jonathan yesterday, the, the term I use, he has to be noisy. We can't get to the third quarter in here and be like, has Dexter Lawrence made a lot of plays? Has, have you really noticed him doing a whole lot? He's so important against the run of the pass. Uh, th- those are the things for me. Your thoughts on either team matchup or offensive or defensive approach. Hey, well, on the offensive side of the ball, I think they do have to run the football. The only caveat that I'll add is if they use Saquon as a receiver and he's getting three, four yards on a short reception, that's an extension of the run game. So it doesn't necessarily have to be all run. It's just you've got to avoid the third and longs. So however you yep. get there, it doesn't matter to me. Whether you want to dump it off to the running back, you want to dump it off to a wide receiver on a screen so you get four to five yards, just stay in that third and seven and lower barometer. If it becomes a I third like it and at, nine... I like it at five and lower, to be honest with you. Well, <laughs> I seven, with I you. think, at least gives you a reasonable shot to get a first down. But more than seven, I, I think you're playing right into the hands of that Eagles pass rush, and that's going to be a troublesome area. And yes, Daniel gets into that 40-pass attempt territory. That probably means that the Giants are playing from behind for the bulk of the game. 
and the Eagles are going to have their fair share of chances to maybe not even blitz. You know, I mean, they can win with their front four. They don't even have to be oh, that they aggressive. Don't, they don't blitz a yeah, lot. That's and, what I'm saying. And they don't stunt a lot. They just say, all right, we're going to line my, our guys up against you one-on-one, and we trust our guys to win. Because they also trust Bradbury and Slay and all the other yep. guys in the mm-hmm. secondary, too. So you're not going to then put the Eagles in a precarious spot where you're going to make them get out of character. That's more of a reason why you have to stay in manageable third downs and a combination of the run or Saquon as a receiver. As far as... Defense. See, I think Leonard Williams is the X factor because I could see the Eagles doubling Dexter and trying to completely take him out of the game and assigning help for Jason Kelsey. So Leonard gets maybe some favorable one-on-one matchups. He has to win. Leonard Williams has to be the disruptive force in this game because I think Philadelphia knows what Dexter Lawrence is all about. They watched the film. Remember, he was the one that made the hit on Kirk Cousins or could have brought him down via sack. That's why he had to get rid of the football on the 4th and 8. This has a Leonard Williams game written all over it. And the reason being, also keep in mind, Aziz Ojolari is dealing with a quad injury. We don't know how effective he's going to be. He's going to give it a go. We just don't know snap count-wise. Only guy in the Giants injury report, by the way. So if Dex is going to get doubled and Aziz is battling injury, I think all signs point to Leonard Williams. He needs to step it up. He needs to have a disruptive game. I'll word it like that. And if he can make his presence felt... Then the Eagles have to say to themselves, do we double Dexter Lawrence or do we now need to put more attention to Leonard Williams? That's why I think he's the X factor. And that'll probably be Landon Dickerson that he's going to be lined up against in those one-on-one opportunities. Usually, I think Leonard is, is to the right side of the defense, but it could also be on Samalu, who's, who's a good guard. Sure. Both, both yeah. these guys well, are good the players. The Eagles offensive line entirely is good. They're yeah. good. But yeah, look. You got those. You're right, and I shouldn't have left Leonard out because he was also very good against Minnesota in the first place. Yeah, and he didn't play. Remember against the Eagles yet this season. Right, and by the way, neither did McKinney, and neither did Adore Jackson in that first game. Another reason why I think this is kind of a whole new ball game here. All right, let's get to it, folks. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go back to the phones, but first a reminder: go subscribe to the John Settle Podcast. You have rapid reactions after each game. This week will be Sean O'Hara with our very own Madeline Burke. We have an episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst. This week it was Mike Mayock. Go check it out. It was a really good talk. He really gets into the X's and O's in the matchup this week. And then we have an interview with a current Giant player. We do Dory Jackson this week. We talk about uh, the matchup last week against Justin Jefferson, how it was a team effort to slow him down, and Adore goes out of his way to point, you know, people keep telling me I shut him down. Like, I, I, we like, it's a zone, and we get a lot of guys helping here, um, which they is true when you watch the tape, absolutely. The safeties was there all game to help him out, which is great, great scheme. Uh, we have our Eagles preview on that same podcast with Adore. Lance and Paul talk to Zach Berman from The Athletic, and then Bob Papa with Brian Dable. So again, go find the Giants Little Podcast. It's great content. It's on the Giants app, giants.com slash podcast, or search and subscribe on your favorite podcast cast platform. Alrighty, let's get to it. Alan in Washington, D.C. will lead us off. Hey, Alan. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Man? What's up? Um, doing right. Super excited. We're in this position this late in the season and in the playoffs, and, you know, we're going against somebody we know very well, somebody who has had our number for a long time, especially at the, at, at the link. Um, you know, I think, I'm not sure if you guys know, what. do you remember the last time we won? Yeah, 2013 in Philadelphia. That was the last time. They've oh lost gosh. nine in so, a row in Philly. Okay, so basically 10 years we've lost in. So, yeah, I mean, this, this, is, a, this is a game I think, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be fought, but I, I just hope we can limit the guys like Miles Sanders. I think he's had 
a tremendous success against us, and you know, you know, he he killed us that first game, um, and you know, for some reason, I don't know that the the smaller guy, I think his name is Scott, yeah, Austin Austin Scott, Scott. Yep. He he does some amazing things for his size. I, I mean, j- just scoring touchdowns when you least expect them. Uh, he had a couple returns on us, like from special teams that that really really threw us off. And I feel like we got to limit those kind of guys. I, I know that you know AJ Brown and and Devontae Smith are are, are really are going to get theirs in, in the receiving, and you just got to do your best with them. But we cannot get. Um, that guy who's 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 that guy? Um, I think his name is Reddick. Hassan Reddick, yeah, Redick. yeah, he's he's, he's yeah. leads Six, the team in sacks. Sixteen sacks. Yeah, he. He's a he's a beast, man. And you know, let's let's give proper respect to the Eagles. I know that you know, as you know, a lot of Giants fans, we don't like the Eagles and they don't like us. It's fine, but you got to respect what they've done this year. I, I come from, you know, I, I hope the Giants win. You know, but I think it's gonna be it's gonna be in the Eagles' favor. But I think if we have a group of guys that that can do it, it's this group. I mean, uh, DJ DJ's, you know, he's striding in the right direction. That that. That um, stiff arm he did against Peterson, I think, um, against the Vikings, I think that really set the tone for for that game. And I think he needs to play like that this year and um, in this game. And I feel like if we have a chance, we have to we have to hit Hurts as much as we can. Uh, and that's it for you guys. But go Giants! And thanks for for the program and everything you guys do. Hey, thank you for listening, Colin and Alan. Look, I think you hit it. It's going to be a really tough game. The Giants have to play really well. They can't make mistakes. And at some point in this game, Lance, and I say this with some level of confidence, we're going to have to need to see either an offense or defense or both, one, two, or three guys make it above the X's and O's play where you're like, wow, there wasn't a whole lot there, but they created something there. Well, all those things add up, especially against a Philadelphia team. I mean, the other thing, just listening to the last caller, we didn't talk about any special teams mishaps against the Vikings, and that was key. You didn't give gifts to Kirk Cousins and company on a short field. You can't do that for Philadelphia. See, the Vikings, they had to go 75 yards on all of their touchdown drives. You want to put Philadelphia in the same position. Now, I imagine it's probably going to be a little bit tougher for Graham know to kick the ball out of the end zone on all these kickoffs. Well, we're talking about outdoors. Being outdoors. Sure. Yeah, correct. absolutely. But, all right, can you at least not give up a return? Oh, sure. Saying, 100%. Or a turnover. You know, I understand you're talking about the kicking. I'm just talking about not giving up an explosive play. Well, I mean, I could give you the, that. I could tell you why they didn't have a lot of mishaps on special teams against the Vikings. Well, because it went into the end zone. Yeah, well, they only sure. had one kickoff yeah. return, and they only punted twice. Of course. No, <laughs> so there weren't there many weren't at-bats, opportunities. opportunities. No, but and, you know what? Hey, if you could do that again against Philadelphia, so be it. Did the Vikings even have a punt and return, or was it was it or, or was it a fair catch up. and uh, uh, a down ball? I don't remember. It was that fumble, right? right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, but, they, right. Recovered but they, right. Recovered yeah, they recovered it. They recovered it. Yeah, they recovered. Good call. I think yeah. that was the one return yeah. they had, Pearson. I forgot about that. That was pretty much it. Yeah, I don't remember there being a high volume of yeah. opportunities. So, like I said, and Howard yeah. and Howard always says this constantly from the sideline to me during the game. So he's not here. I will echo him. Get touchbacks. Just get touchbacks. Just get touchbacks. There's no reason to mess around there. No, I mean, why give them a chance? Yeah. Sure. No, I completely understand that. But sometimes you have the expectancy to kick it into mm-hmm. the end zone, and yeah. it doesn't go sometimes right, right? Can. So you got to be prepared accordingly, and that's all I'm saying. So we had Hugo call up yesterday. I'll throw this at you real quick, and then we'll get to you next, Abdul. He said he said the whole game, and I kind of said, eh, maybe in the big spot at the end of the game, if the Giants are down, they're returning a kickoff. Do you put Saquon back there? <laughs> I, I mean, here's the thing. 
in the playoffs, if Brian Dable is somebody that preaches it's consistent, you do what works for you in the you regular don't season, make the change? why would it. you make that change? That would be my argument. You're now, That's fair. not to say that I don't trust Barkley. You know me. I'm a big proponent of putting your best players on special teams. You don't mm-hmm. have to convince me. I know I don't. I'm just saying that if you haven't exposed him to that in a game setting in quite some time, and you pick a playoff game of all, I just, I don't really love that situation. I think that's fair. I think that's a good answer. On the topic, I just looked it up. So Rager had one punt return, but he got nothing out of it. And then, and Wang Wu won for 24 yards on a kick return. Yeah, I think, didn't Rager, he might have muffed that, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that, I believe so. yeah, yeah, that was the muff. And then I remember, yeah. I, I said, I remember during the broadcast, we went to break right after the punt, and I said to Pop Pop in his ear, I'm like, would you really trust Jalen Rager to handle the football in a playoff game if you're the Vikings? Well, you're talking about the drop size of receiver. <laughs> yeah, I in mean, Philadelphia. I mean, yeah. he, he, and then he had the he had the play too, where he stopped running the route. Remember, and and then there was an, it turned into an interception. Yeah. In, in in the game. So yeah. Anyway, Abdul in Minneapolis. He's up next. Hey, Abdul. Hey, guys, what's up? You must have been walking around all week with your chest puffed out, wearing your oh, Giants yeah. blue. You must have been pumped. Yeah, I, I live right by the stadium, and I, I was also at the game, and it was, it was, it's been a good week. <laughs> I can imagine. Actually, um, it, it was, I, I'm two for two for Giants playoff games. I was also at the 2007 Green Bay uh, Ice Bowl. Well, so, are you coming to Philadelphia? Uh, you know, I, I don't go to Philly, man. I, I don't <laughs> Wow, so uh, you, you you were at the Ice Bowl. You were at the 2007 freezing game, huh? Yep, I was there. I was there. Boy. Because cause I, 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 that, that's the year I first moved to Minneapolis, and I'm like, I just drove to Green Bay and got got a ticket and froze my ass off. But it was great. <laughs> well, you well should be used it. to it based on the weather in Minneapolis. Yeah, that's so. true. Something yeah, tells me it's not exactly. your first cup of tea in that department. <laughs> exactly. So actually, so um, I've called for two things, so. Uh, you guys have been covering it all all morning so far. How um, how the Giants team is completely different now than the um, that that was um, an either game. You know, the first game we had all the injuries. Um, that's the obvious one. And second of all, the Giants' offense has changed a lot since then. Yep. You know, back then we did a lot more running, a lot more play action rollout, and now we've gone to more of a traditional drop back. You know, passing attack with you know with Daniel throwing more. And, uh, you know, and just doing more, more of a traditional drop-back pass. Yeah, what, 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 what I am curious to see, though, Abdul, is how much of that was matchup-based against the Vikings yeah. and the yeah. Colts. And, how, and, and be, by the way, that's when they've asked, been asked about it this week. That's basically what Brian Dable and Mike Kafka has said in terms of the offense being a little bit different the last few weeks, that it was matchup-based. So I'm actually really curious because you could be right. I don't know the answer to this. I'm curious to see if we continue to see that trend against an Eagles team that's much better against the pass than they are against the run. Right, but the film is out there. You know what yep. I mean? Like, the, 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 you know, so they're preparing for that. No, we, for sure. It's an, it's, it's, it's an extra wrinkle that we had that we didn't have in the first two games. Absolutely. And also, um, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm being, making up revisionist history here, but um, Cordell Slot kind of reminds me of Corey Webster, and might should be, be used that same way. Because I remember... Corey's first year, I think it was 2007, he kind of was burnt during the regular season, and then he upped his game in the playoffs. And actually, that, that, that game, Favre's last pass as a Packer was to Corey Webster, inception. And um, I, I've noticed, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying star slot, but I think Spock could be used a lot more in this game um, because his, his, main, his main detraction is that he's kind of slightly built. And well, but he has yeah, length, though, yeah. to make up for that. Yeah, he is long. Yeah, that's true. Right, but um, Devontae uh, Adams is also kind of slight. So they, they could use Smith. him on him. I'm not saying one-on-one, but I'm saying 
his his skill set could really help this game. Now, I will so, say this too. Just remember, Abdul, he played three snaps in that game last week. So he was behind. Right. He was the fourth cornerback on the depth chart. Because Nick McLeod played almost thirty percent of the snaps. And it snaps. was because Fabian Morrow had the hip issue. You beat late. me to the punch. Yeah. They, they, the only reason he got no, on the field at the end of the game is because Morrow went out. And by yeah. the way, Webster was not a rookie in 07. Uh, he was drafted in 05. But you're right. He did oh. actually was deactivated for a couple games earlier in that 2007 season. Then he came back and was a huge factor in the playoffs. So yeah. Anyway, go ahead. But um, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Slot played. In the last game against Philly, and he and he did all right. I think he played really well. Yeah, yeah, he um, was fine. He was fine. Yeah, so um, so that's why I, I just think you know at this point, and I think you guys have mentioned this, we we need to shoot our bullets. You know what I mean? We yeah, but Abdul, shoot. I'm going to throw something else at you here. You know, do you want him in there for Darnay Holmes or Fabian Moreau? Who do you want him in there for? Um, I I think I um I think he's better outside. Uh, I you know I I, I don't, I'm not sure. You know, that's a great question. You know what? I didn't really think about that. It, uh, I I really haven't seen him play much slot. I think he's played both of that side this year, right? Yeah, I would be I would be worried about putting him in there for Holmes, and here's why. You yeah. know, Darnay Holmes has had some issues with some defensive penalties in the defensive backfield this year, holding pass interference. But he's been an excellent tackler around the line of scrimmage. And against an Eagles team that's going to run a lot, and, you know, yeah. Cordo Flott's literally like 170 pounds soaking wet. I don't love him in run support against that Eagles run game. So if I were to use him, I'm with you. I would probably put him outside. But honestly, he's really like fourth on the depth chart right now. So I don't, I, I don't see that happening. And like Fabian Moreau did well last week. I mean, he didn't really give up any catches. Think about it. They had Justin Jefferson doubled all game. They went to Hawkinson a lot. Adam Thielen didn't carve no, him up. Same thing with Osborne. And he didn't Osborne didn't either. carve him up yeah. either. So I don't. I don't want to take Fabian Moreau off the field. He's he's done a good job. Fair enough. Fair enough. And you you were right. I was going to mention about Holmes how he's how he's been blowing up those uh, you know screen passes yeah. and being a great run supporter. So yeah. So Holmes. But uh, someone mentioned that Holmes has this uh, propensity of these late game holding calls. That just terrify me uh but you know what? well you talk about the tennessee game early in the season i mean that was obviously the most noticeable one on that final drive he's had a couple but since you know then, what? sure yeah but i mean i don't I, remember anything recently though well here's what happens oh, Look, there's a lot of times at the end of these games and again this has again wink has bucked his trends a little bit the last few weeks but he will tend when things are on the line in two minute situations to bring a lot of heat and a lot of times, other teams will put their best wide receiver in the slot in those situations. You're on an you got Darnay Holmes with a two-way go in the slot against the other team's best wide receiver, which, quite frankly, I don't know if there's any player that can hold up in those spots. So I'm not going to kill Holmes for that. But I think, Abdul, that's why you've seen him get some of those penalties late, because he gets put in tough situations based on how Wing Barndells want to call the game. But I brought up slot because um, I, I saw that um, – the other quote, Moreau, if I'm not pronouncing his name right, he's on the injured list, or he's, he's you know, uh, limited practice. Yeah, he was limited yeah, in practice, but he was not on the final injury report, so he should be a full go. Yeah, he does not have an injury okay. designation. He was just obviously limited throughout the course of the week leading up, but they decided that they don't need to give him a status, so yeah. he should be good to go. And Holmes is second on the team in terms of accepted penalties with seven, and his last penalty was against the Indianapolis Colts three weeks ago. He had a defensive holding penalty. In that game, All right, great. Let's just give an idea. I'm so, about, I'm so excited about it. You know, I can't wait till the day yeah. tomorrow. And, All right, uh, 
you know. So you guys take care. You and too. I hope I talk to you guys next week. We're all happy, all right? Well, yeah, well, call back anyway. We'll be on. For the folks, by the way, we probably have some new listeners. You know, Big Blue Kickoff Live is on all year round, man. So even if the season ends this weekend, hopefully knock on wood that it doesn't. Uh, we'll be back next week wrapping up the season. Uh, then we'll start getting into, you know, free agency. We do a lot of heavy draft stuff here to get ready for the offseason. So even if, you know, you, you don't like to tune in for the games and all that stuff, stick around for the for the offseason. We actually, I think, do some of our best work in the offseason, to be honest with you. We really kind of get in-depth on a lot of stuff in terms of team building and the draft and free agency, and I think we do a good job with it, and I think we have a lot of fun as well. Hey, Giant fans, take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. Jonathan in Westchester joins us next. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, how are you guys? What's up? So I called in last Friday, and we won last weekend, so I figured I had to call in again today. All right. Uh, so uh, Joe Shane's signing of Isaiah Hodges just looks like a better and better move with every passing week. Yeah. Uh, um, I was looking at over the cap, and um, it says that he'll be an exclusive rights free agent after this season. Yeah, he was he was a he was a day three pick, so he the Giants should have him under their control for one more year because this is his third year in the league, if I have that correct. Yeah, he was a 2026 right. rounder, mm-hmm. and that's amazing. So, my understanding of that is that as an exclusive rights free agent, he'll be back. Himself, yeah, it's very it's very unlikely leave. a guy who's an exclusive free agent. Yeah, he'll be back. Winds up leaving. Yeah. Worry, I mean, back. you you have good control. In retaining, yeah, it. and Yorn yeah. Yorn can have to pay him a lot of money for him to be back yeah. either. So don't worry about that. Yeah, uh, what a what a great find he's been. I mean, what a pleasant surprise. So. Yeah. Well, he knows the uh, system. But, I mean, that's the big difference. He was with Dable. Hey, look, and he, he never and he's been hurt his first two years. He never really had a chance sure. to play. Yeah, he had a, a shoulder injury. I'm trying to remember what his injury his first season. When I think it was a knee. Um, but yeah, look, Jonathan, he's been great. He's been he's he brings size. He's been a good route runner. You know, he catches the ball when it's thrown to him. He doesn't have that, you know, burner speed to kind of, you know, win deep over the top a ton. But he's got separation on some double moves. So I think he's shown us to be a pretty good, crafty wide receiver that makes plays and knows how to use his, his length and also can create some separation. He's been great. And he makes plays in the red zone, most yep. important. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's able to finish drives. He's had a touchdown five of the last six games. You brought up the size. I think that gets overlooked. He's very attractive from that standpoint. But you talk to a lot of guys on offense, they tell you, and they were here during training camp, he wasn't, that Hodgins is still giving them tips on the offensive scheme because he's been exposed to it in Buffalo. You know, Dable, I understand he's now working with Kafka, mm-hmm. but some of the principles oh, and yeah. the framework is what Dable worked with in Buffalo. So he's almost an extension of the coaching staff. Yeah, look, he's young, but he's very crafty. He, he understands how to play the position. He understands route running. And I think, especially in the red zone lands, that's one of the reasons why he can be so effective yep. down there. That's great. All right, well, thank you guys. Great job, and uh, let's go Giants. Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate the call. And we'll try to do rapid fire for the last half hour here, by the way, folks. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico next. Scott, what's going on? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Yep. Good night. Um, I don't know if you mentioned uh, T.J. Edwards, who has 160 tackles. For yeah, he's that linebacker. Yeah, he's excellent, too, Scott. I did not mention him. Yeah, and he's the guy I really worry about, obviously, cleaning up uh, from those uh, past defenders. But I'm, uh, the question I have is how you attack the defense itself. If you look at the last playoff game, uh, Darius Slayton had averaged 22 yards per catch. That's more than A.J. Brown. 
and uh, Hodgins had 13.1. But I think the key to this is Saquon Barkley in regards to receiving, not necessarily running. He averaged 11.2 yards every time he touched the ball receiving. So if you're attacking a defense like that, I think Wink Martindale will come up with a plan for the offense. Yeah, but Scott, I will say this. I think the plan's going to be very different than it was against Minnesota. Right, I do too. Mm -hmm. If you remember last week, we talked about whether, I talked to you about whether they would rush four or they would split and they only rushed four or even three. And I think Dexter Lawrence is so good. He beat two guys. Uh, So I think Lance's point is very well taken that... uh, Leonard Williams will will have a play a big role in in this game, but attacking the defense itself, do you believe that the Giants will have to do some wildcat plays, some trick plays, in order to get people off guard with a defense like this? And uh, also, their 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 receivers. I think Richie James might play a really big role. Yep. And I think the way to attack them is not the short passing, but see if they can get moderate passing, I mean 10 to 20 yards, uh, instead of like these little three- or four-yard uh, attempts, which I don't think is really going to help them. Well, I mean, Scott, I think you always want the explosive play, but I'll go back to what John was hinting at. Sure. Attacking a Viking secondary that doesn't have James Bradbury, Darius Slay, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson is night and day compared to what you now have to go up against. I mean, I will literally say, passing it's, yards allowed per game, the Eagles are two, the yeah, Vikings are 31. It, so, <laughs> I mean, you right. could have dreams of grandeur saying, sure, right. take shots deep down the field. I think you're asking for trouble. Well, in fairness, he, he was always saying in the 10 yeah, to but, 15 yard area. Well, but that's still pressing the envelope a little bit more, well, and well, you're going to give those they, secondary guys an opportunity to make plays on the ball, remember, and well, they're very good in that that's department. True. You already know this, but uh, Green Bay scored 33 points on them, even though Philadelphia won, and Dallas uh, scored 40 well, points Well, first on of them. all, if you did you watch that Philadelphia-Green Bay game, that night game? Okay, the Philadelphia Eagles ran the living crap out of the ball down their throats. Right. Okay. That was and, also the game that, uh, what's-his-name, got hurt in uh, Aaron Rodgers, too. So uh, the point being is they can be scored on. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, uh, but I, I'm looking strategically – what kind of plays are they going to have to run in order to make a dent in that defense? Because they are, as you've already alluded to, one of the better defensive teams in the league. Well, and I'll I, take your answers off and, here. And no, listen, I appreciate it, Scott. Yeah. Thanks for the call. And, Scott, I agree with you. I agree with you that the onus is on the offense. I've been saying that since the regular yeah. season ended. Yes, you're right. I don't care what the defense does now that we're in the playoffs. It's all about can the offense put up 31 like they did against the Vikings. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but that's what you need to do. You now are going up against higher caliber offenses. You can't expect Wink Martindale and the defense, as good as they've been, to just simply hold everybody to 15 to 20 points and you get 21 and you walk out of Philadelphia with a win. It just doesn't work like that in the postseason. So absolutely, I'm completely with you. This is all about the offense. The offense needs to put together lengthy drives. They need to finish. They need to steal maybe a possession or two away from Philadelphia 100%. But that doesn't mean that what worked against Minnesota, you just box up and travel to Philadelphia with. Yeah, and and I honestly don't think that that's where Scott was going. But the question is, what should the approach be? And I think you hit it. I think quick game in the passing game is big here, in addition to running the ball at Barkley. You know, get some slants in when you catch the Eagles in some of those zone coverages. Run some quick slants. Run some quick passes before they can close if, if, if they're not going to press at the line of scrimmage. And if they're going to press you at the line, you are going to have to try to beat them over the top, right? It's hard to beat press with short passes. If the teams are going to press you and get in your face and play single high, the only way you get them out of that is by going over the top. And you could do, you know, you don't need a lot of time for those either, right? That can be three-step, 
quick fade route. And you 15, want to avoid giving the them time to right. get to the quarterback. Like, clearly. for example, last week, to your point, Lance, and this is why I think Lance brought it up, you know, Scott mentioned Darius Slayton was like 19 yards per catch, whatever the stat was, right? Well, he got all those catches on those deep over routes. You need three or four seconds for those routes to develop. He's coming all the way from one side of the field and crossing all the way to the other side of the field. You know what you don't have against the Eagles pass rush? Three or four Time. seconds. So, yes. correct. You're going to have to do it a little bit differently. That doesn't mean you can't, again, take those quick three-step fade, you know, seam, quick stuff down the field. You can try to do some of that. You obviously can't do that every time because then they'll start reading it. They'll bring a safety over and they'll start getting some takeaways, right? So I think it's quick passing game. I think it's Saquon in the running game. And I think, again, Daniel's going to have to run the ball in this game. I'm not saying they need to do 15 design runs with him. In fact, I'm still not a huge fan of the quarterback design run. I like it as a counter to Barkley. But I think Daniel had more design runs for him than Saquon did against the Vikings last week. Or at least it was close. I think if you take the kneels downs out, I think Saquon might have had one or two more. But that shouldn't be even for me, right? I think Saquon needs to be beep. And then if they start keying on Barkley, ooh, read option, keeper, naked boot, keeper, that's when Daniel starts, you know, hitting his gaps, hitting his holes. And the Eagles have had some issues earlier in the year against running quarterbacks. We've seen this this year. So I think that's a big deal. And I think that's how you kind of have to approach it offensively here. If you and look, you can score on the Eagles. Scott made a good point. You know, the Packer game was a weird game, but I, I think, just yeah, I don't think that's a great example. Is all I'm saying. I, I, I think the Dallas game was a better example. Sure, Dallas is a good example. Now, yeah. so because that was a highly competitive game, right? And Dallas did a little everything in that game. They threw for 300. They ran for 115 in that game. So if you could do that, I think you're, you know. In good shape, but again, I think that's when that that was Dallas playing one of their best games of the year. And we've seen Dallas when they play their best game, they're really tough to stop. So, you know, I, that's how I think you have to approach it offensively. But you know, it's it's going to be very difficult because their defense is very very good, especially up front. Well, they can ruin games those guys up front, and I just don't think it's necessary to give them a chance to make their jobs easier by once again holding onto the ball and letting these big plays try to develop down the field. So. The run game, the short passing game, I think is the way to go. Don't allow them to get opportunities to get their hands on Daniel Jones. And then, to your point, if the Eagles, since those guys could tend to be a little bit aggressive, when they start to overcommit because they're so hungry to get after Daniel, that's when all of a sudden you work in a little misdirection and Jones maybe can get into the middle of the field or the second layers of the defense because they got Saquon to the second layer of the Minnesota defense, especially on that rushing touchdown early in the game. And you know you like Saquon's chances. And talking about misdirection, by the way, the Breida jet sweep action brought three players out of the play, which created all that space. 100%. But you got to that point because of Daniel's presence and all the other things leading up to that run. And that's what I think the Giants should do again against Philadelphia. But you'll take your chances. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley against a linebacker or a safety. Hey, let's see if they can win those one-on-one -on -one battles. Because if I'm the Giants and you look at the Philadelphia personnel, well, who are guys that I want to get out into the open field to see if I can win? You'll take your chances on a TJ Edwards and a Kaiser White. I know we were talking about TJ Edwards, solid player, good tackler, but would you rather take a chance against him or would you rather give the pass rushers an opportunity to come after you? I'll yeah. take my chances attacking the middle of the field, seeing what the linebackers could do. I don't know when it comes to the Eagles secondary, now that CJ Gardner-Johnson is taking over for Avante Maddox, I don't know if there's that third corner that to me 
is somebody that the Giants can absolutely say, if we go after this guy, we have a very attractive matchup. Here. Yeah, now Garner Johnson was basically the slot corner for the Saints before he came to the Eagles. Yep. So he's very familiar with the position. He's been exposed to that. But I do think, and I, I caller brought this up earlier, and I forgot to comment on it, I think Richie James um, could be a factor in this game. You know, you try to get rid of the ball quick, slot guy. Quick moves, quick option routes, you know, quick outs, little slants, you know, try to play off whatever the defense's leverage is, and I think he can make some plays. And I'll leave it here before we get to your next call. Daniel Jones as a scrambler in this game is going to be essential. You know, you talk about in those third and reasonables, well, even if that Eagles pass rush wins, if Daniel can slip out that B-cap, slip around the corner, maybe the Eagles get a little undisciplined in their pass rush and they leave some gaps in there, and you can't get open against Bradbury or Slay and you struggle getting separation, well, those Daniel Jones runs can create first downs that can extend drives and lead to points. I think they're going to be critical in this game, and I think... They're absolutely necessary if the Giants are going to score enough points for them to win. Jones's legs as a scrambler, I think, are going to be essential here if the Giants are going to do enough against this Eagles defense to win the game. Well, it's almost a mirror image of Philadelphia. If Jalen Hurts is going to stress you out because of his capacity to run the football, right, then you should serve it right back to the Philadelphia defense because you know what that can do. How you now have to account for running backs, quarterbacks, and on any given play, them deciding to run. So... You go back to that Vikings game, Daniel Jones, who had a marvelous performance overall as both a passer and a runner, but if you're going to pick one facet of his game that I think really wreaked havoc against Minnesota, it's the volume of runs and his success on the ground. So see if Philadelphia learned anything from the film that Minnesota failed to do because I think that could be huge. Now, granted, 17 runs, and you were hitting on this earlier, there were a few kneel downs, so he didn't technically run the ball 17 times. Three kneel downs and two quarterback sneaks were in there. But still, that was still in that season-high territory for him. I mean, we've seen him run the football double-digit, or at least have double-digit runs, I should say, because sometimes, once again, they're kneel downs here or there. But that was a bit of uncharted territory against the Minnesota Vikings. We had seen a stretch of games where... Daniel Jones just was not a factor on the ground. They brought that wrinkle back, and part of that, I think, was matchup and what they saw in film with the Vikings. But you know, even though the Eagles are different, I would always want to see, does an opponent learn their lesson from the previous guy to see whether or not if we bring it back again, are they going to be caught off guard, or did they have a game plan in place so that our quarterback can't run wild? I would test Philadelphia early, see what they can adjust from that point on. 201-939-4513. Hey, Giant fans. The Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV. And the Giants mobile app, Big Blue Kickoff Live, is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved. Zero never tasted so good. Andrew in Virginia is up next. Hey, Andrew. Hey, guys. I uh, love the show all year. Um, Thank you. Just a comment, comment and a question. If people need any more animosity against the Eagle fans, just listen to Paul's One Giant Step broadcast. They interviewed two jerk Eagle fans, and so that'll just fuel your fire if you need something for the weekend. And then a question, who is the best player, ping-pong player, in the locker room, and who's the best staff ping-pong player in the locker room? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I have no idea who the best staff ping-pong player is. And I've we're they play ping-pong in that locker room every day when we media available. So I've kind of watched everybody play. Saquon and Davis Webb got into one. The other yeah, day. I think Davis Webb or David Sills are probably the two best ping pong players. But I'll tell you what, Saquon held his own about 
held his own against Davis yesterday. It was very impressive. I would say Sills or Webb would be the two best ping-pong players. Watching Davis Webb, that dude definitely had a ping-pong table in his basement as a kid. No question. <laughs> well, Saquon's ultra-competitive in that Oh, my gosh. He that. was into it, man. Man, he he does not like losing or falling <laughs> in that department. I will tell you that. No, he's into it. Oh, he's 100% into that. So if you're worried about them not getting amped up or finding other ways to develop competition, I would say the ping-pong absolutely answers that call. <laughs> By the way, what was the reference that Paul spoke to a bunch of Eagles fans? Did I miss something? Yeah, I, I don't know what that is. What was that I, all about? I think it might be the other podcast on a different oh okay I, I thought like Dottino talking to Eagles fans I'm like you gotta be kidding me there's no way that happened <laughs> throwing Paul Dottino going out of his way to talk to a pair of Eagles fans I want to see the videotape give me the evidence that that exists there's no way that happened so that's why I was completely lost with that uh, reference but, let's go down to Florida yeah. say what's up to Pete Pete what's going on hey John Lance good to talk to you again hey. it's been, a, uh, it's been a, a couple of weeks I wanted to call on Monday um, about an idea I had you know, a, quite more of a question I had about the possibility of spying Jalen Hurts on defense. And then I myself thought about what player would be suited for that. Um, the best tackler on a team or one of the best tackles would, land, like, would be Landon Collins. So my question was, All if right, we buy that. Yeah. Okay. So if we decide to commit to that on X amount of number of plays, what, possible void that leave it on downfield like by doing that you know it's taking one player and isolating him can you guys explain that to me um yeah i mean not be go ahead i'm sorry Pete. finish up no i just want to say because the funny thing was i swear i was going to call and ask this on monday then i think it was tuesday or wednesday paul actually said the same thing i'm suggesting like landon collins buying the court uh, jalen hurts so i thought it was uh pretty cool that um what I was thinking, he was thinking the same thing. But yeah. uh, so now I have a chance to ask the question. I'm just concerned about if we do that. I think it's great. Um, but what what does that do? What are, what possible holes are opening up and down downfield? That is a great question, Pete. Thanks for the call. You can listen off the air. Uh, and I think that's that that's the concern, right? Because you're essentially are taking a player out of either your coverage or of your out of your blitz if you're going to spy Jalen Hurts, and you're in effect then playing ten on ten, right? Because usually you don't account for the quarterback, and then you're play, he's basically playing eleven on ten. Yep, playing playing the game, right? So if you're gonna still try to blitz five, and you're gonna spy Jalen Hurts, well, just do the math. Then you're down to five guys in coverage. Well, how many guys are the Eagles gonna release in coverage, right? Well, if the Eagles are only gonna protect against five rushers with their five offensive linemen, then you're essentially covering five guys with five players, right? That's the math. That's the math. And that means no safety help. That's essentially zero coverage. If you're using one person to spy Hurts, you're rushing five, and they're blocking those five with five, one-on-one, you're essentially in zero coverage. That's a problem for me. No thank you. The Giants have done a good job of of preventing big plays all year. You go into zero coverage against A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, Jalen Hurts will literally just throw the ball deep. Yeah, he'll give those guys opportunities to make plays. Especially A.J. Brown because he's 230 and he's 6'2", and he'll basically just manhandle guys that are trying to cover him. So don't like that idea. Let's crumple that up and let's throw that into the garbage can. (laughs) All right? Maybe you rush four then. Then you have a single high safety to give a little help. And then you're playing, you know, underneath that, or then you could play a, you know, cover three zone, something like that. That's a little bit, that's a little bit more palatable, maybe. Maybe that's something you can do. So, yes, you can spy Hertz, but what makes it so difficult? Then you're manning up somewhere, right? You're either manning up Brown, you're manning up Smith, 
or you're manning up Goddard. Those are not great one-on-one matchups for your guys. And I think you can use AJ Je- uh, AJ Jefferson. Tony Jefferson, if you want to, to, hey, to probably spy for sure. those, those would be the two guys. I think those are the right names. Or Julian Love, if you want to go that way, you can go that way too, whatever. I get, you know, maybe even Darnay Holmes with the way he tackles, if you want to spy him with him, he could do that too. Jared Davis? Yeah, yeah maybe not want, Maybe know. not fast enough. No, okay, but at least I think has the discipline yeah. to you know stay in the ballpark. Sure. So, look, yeah, that, that's a way to go about it, but... If you're spying, you're usually playing man, first and foremost. Because if you're playing zone, you're already looking at the quarterback, so you theoretically don't have to spy, right? So if you're playing a spy, you're playing man, I think it really limits your ability to pressure and blitz if you're spying. Because if you, like I mentioned, if you blitz and you spy, you're basically in man-on-man down the field. And I think that's when you start getting into difficult situations. So I think you got to pick your spots. I think third and longs and stuff like that are times you can do that because then you force Hurts to kind of get rid of the ball quickly and you, you know, take away those scrambles for first down situations. So, yeah, I think there are spots for it, but I don't think that can be an, an every down type of scenario for you. Well, also, you go back to the fact that if Wink played a lot of zone against Minnesota, what does he look at Philadelphia in comparison to Minnesota personnel wise? You've got A.J. Brown, you got Devontae Smith, you got Dallas Goddard, you got Quez Watkins. It's very similar firepower. So I would argue he, more, to be well, honest. I mean, I, listen, Justin Jefferson, yeah. Adam Thielen, T.J. Hawkinson, Irv Smith. I mean, we're really talking no, about thin lines right. here. But Both I teams are this, really good. I do think the Eagles' offensive line is better. Yeah, 100%. And I think you feel sure. a lot better, and I think this is probably why Wing did it, right? He felt better about the Giants' four-man rush sure, beating the winning. Vikings' offensive line than he would the Eagles' Absolutely offensive Absolutely not. I think that's a great point. So does he feel like he needs some assistance for his guys right. up front? But then again... You then all of a sudden leave guys on the back end out to dry. And so, that's why the Eagles are tough to defend, by the way. Correct. Now, <laughs> here's the other thing that's interesting to bring up. They played the Ravens earlier this season when Lamar Jackson was healthy. Mm-hmm. And Lamar had a big game on the ground. Yep. I don't remember exactly whether or not it looked like he had somebody shadowing Lamar. I mean, clearly yeah, if they I did, it wasn't s- successful. On some plays he did. Yeah. I'd have to look no, at it. No, the reason yeah. I'm bringing that up is because I look at the Jalen Hurts-Lamar comparison. I'm not saying they're identical, but the schemes, the way they use the quarterbacks with the running game, I think is somewhat similar. So if you want to look at the approach to Philadelphia now, but here's the difference. Baltimore doesn't present the receiving core. Not even Philadelphia. Close, no. so see, this is why it's very hard to get a read on Wink and say, oh, well, he did this <laughs> against this personnel grouping, so he's absolutely going to do this against this group. Well, there's so many different dynamics that change. Yeah. But Lamar, to me, is the best example of, well, how did he approach that? And I don't think he shadowed him consistently. And Lamar, once again, took off a lot. And you go back to that game not only did they have success with Lamar, Kenyon Drake had a monster game in that contest. Yeah, and that's why, Lance, I don't think you can use one strategy in this game. You know, I don't think you can say, well, this is a weakness for Philly that we can exploit and go after it. You kind of try to pick your poison on each play and hope yeah. you time it well based on what the Eagles are trying to do on those plays. And I think that's something Wink and the Giants coaching staff on both sides of the ball have been good at this year, you know, learning the tendencies of the other team and calling plays or defenses or schemes on offense to try to take advantage of that. And I think they've been good at it this season, to be quite honest with you. And that's what they're going to have to do here. One play, maybe you have two safeties deep and you play a softer zone. The next play, you bring an extra guy and you play press man. The next play, maybe you run a cover three. Uh, you run a zone blitz on another play. You know, there's a they can do so many different things and they've played every type of defense this year, which is the good part. So I think they do have a lot in their bag that they can go to. And you try to confuse Jalen Hurts a little bit, make him hold the ball a little bit, and you hope to 
get their offense out of sync. It's just not going to be easy because the Eagles' offense is really talented and really good. And, like, Lance, if you were to try to say, like, what's the Eagles' weakness on offense? Like, what? I, I don't even have an answer for that. Well, what are they bad at? Well, they can run the ball, they can throw the ball, they can pass protect. So, I mean, to me, it would be Jalen Hurts if his shoulder's not 100%. There's the weakness. (laughs) So you're talking about an ailment for one of their key players. That's the weakness. And can you target that, get some hits on him, or maybe put him in a situation where he has a little bit more confidence in his shoulder than the reality presents, and he tries to airmail one? For example, you got the interception from Dane Belton, right, in the red zone, okay? Can you come up? With that type of a play. That would be my response. Yeah, I I think the best way to beat Philadelphia, and they did this at the beginning of last year when they tried to pass the ball, I think, way too much. If you go back to the 2021 season, the first half of that year before they kind of figured things out. Well, they evolved because of injuries on the offensive line too, remember. Correct. Dictated that. So if you can turn the Eagles into a passing team, and as much as Jalen Hurts has improved as a passer, and he has, he's, again, MVP candidate, really good player. If you could turn them into a passing team and take the run game out of the equation somehow, now that's much easier said than done. I think that's probably your best shot. Because then maybe you get a couple of interceptions, things like that. Maybe a shoulder doesn't have the arm strength, blah, blah, blah. That's what I think you have to do. Because I think the Eagles would be very content here to rush for 250 again and, you know, go home and say what you want. As good as the Giants have been, you know, defending against some of the passes the last few games, they still haven't faced a really good running attack in quite a while either. So how are they going to deal with the Eagles' run game, which is a totally different animal than what they've seen the last few weeks? Well, and it's interesting. We're looking at issues during the season. The Eagles lost three games, okay? The Commanders, the Cowboys, and the Saints. But keep in mind, Jalen Hurts didn't play. No, they beat the Packers. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So the one game that jumps out to me is the Commanders game on Monday Night Football, Mm -hmm. okay? But Washington ran the ball down the throats of the Eagles, okay? Which the Giants are capable of doing, Mm -hmm. and that's why we're talking about that should be the strategy on offense. But the other thing that happened in that game, the Eagles turned the ball over like crazy, (laughs) John. Didn't they have four turnovers in that game? And then in the Dallas game, too, the Eagles turned the ball over like crazy. They had three or four in that game, too. two of their three losses this season were abnormal in terms of turnovers. And you can never go into a game saying... Oh, this is going to be the game where the Giants are going to get five takeaways. Listen, you'll take it if you can yeah, get it. It could happen, but, but, yeah, but you, you can't game plan about that. That's my yeah. point. Yeah. Like, you can't go in, and I have the breakdown of yeah, turnovers. They, they had four They had four in each of those games. Two losses, yeah. New Orleans, they turned the ball over once. So we're talking about two but, of the three but games But Jalen Hurts didn't play in that game. But he didn't play. But, well, but once again, he didn't play in the Dallas game either. Right. But it took eight turnovers <laughs> in two games for the Eagles to lose. That's what I'm saying. Perspective is needed in this conversation. It's not to say that the Giants can't win this game. But if the goal is, we're just going to hope that we get a full moon out on Saturday night and Philadelphia coughs up the ball no, like crazy. I don't know. And you know what? Honestly, listening to Giant fans call it, I think you guys have done a great job all week. I think Giant fans have really healthy respect for the Eagles team. I think they get it. They know this is going to be tough. They know they're going to have to play really well. You know, we haven't gotten any of those calls like last week when they're like, oh, maybe you can blow out the Vikings and rest Daniel Jones for the second half of the game. We haven't gotten one of those yeah. this week, right? So, you know. By the way, stunner that it went to one possession oh, down yeah. the stretch. Just absolutely stunning. <laughs> I know. No one saw that coming. Who could have guessed it? Nah, All right. We got yeah. three minutes. I got to make sure we get these couple calls in. Ms. Pearson's going on the bus to Philadelphia today. We got to make sure he gets on that bus. Otherwise, uh, we're going to be in big trouble. Well, it is manageable to get to Philadelphia even without the he team can. bus. I, yeah, but just going to throw that in there. I don't yes. think Pearson's second ever road trip. He wants to miss the bus. Probably. No, not. no. I would not recommend that. Yeah, let's go to yes. Ray in Mercer County. He's up next. Hey, Rick. Hey, Ray. 
Hi, uh, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for a fun and informative show throughout a uh, very fun season. Uh, I had a question uh, with a possible suggestion on officiating, nope. and then a suggestion for uh, Eagles game strategy. Okay. Uh, on, on officiating, this is going to be an emotional, uh, passionate uh, environment. And we've seen uh, uh, teams get uh, burned by unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. And, uh, you know, the Giants, I think, uh, very unfairly were uh, that happened to them in the uh, first Washington game. And uh, much more recently, we saw the episode with the San Diego Chargers and the uh, yeah, both helmet up. flinging that yep. was pivotal. We saw the uh, Gr- uh, Green Bay Packers player ejected for you know, shoving a, Trainer. a, a, yeah. a sideline uh, player. Yeah, what's your point, Ray? Do the, does, does the coaching staff uh, sort of make a compilation of these sorts of things and maybe show them you know, for uh, 30 seconds or a minute. Yeah, I can tell you, Ray, for sure, they they will take things that happen around the league and show them to the team as teach tape. Absolutely, yeah. they do that, 100%. I mean, Thomas McGahee does it when there's a special team's unique yep. play. He always uses it as a teachable moment for his unit. Good, good. Uh, the other uh, uh, suggestion I have, and it's sort of in the spirit of uh, really liking the uh, Saquon Barkley kickoff return uh, suggestion somebody made on a previous show, but what about uh, uh, getting the Wildcat back into this game? Uh, maybe on a full set of uh, uh, downs or, uh, you know, if it's working several, uh, several series of downs, maybe on the second possession. You know, given that it spreads the defense out and you can create, you know, real confusion over who's going to take the snap. Yeah, look, it you wouldn't know, surprise me. I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, Ray. Um, you know, and, and thanks for the call. We're running into the show. I'm going to make sure we get our final caller in here. I think we could see some Wildcat in this game. I love what they did last week when they had... And again, people have been asking for more Barkley and Breda together. I think you can only get that for a handful of plays a game. You know, four or five. You know, they run one in jet sweep motion. They'll do a fake handoff. They'll do a play action. Or they'll hand it off to one and then use misdirection on the other. I mentioned that's how Barkley got the long touchdown, right? Harrison Smith and both veteran linebackers, Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendrick, all followed Breda which, by the way, I don't know why you would make that decision, on a jet sweep and well, Saquon Barkley. something to think about, yeah. Yeah, and Saquon Barkley had a clear space. So, yes, I think you will see things like that to create some confusion and misdirection that could help you develop a play. That's why you use a lot of pre-stat motion. That's why you use formations that are interesting because it creates hesitation in the defense for a potential to make some big plays. Well, and also, once again, it makes them think. Yep. You know, the hesitation is one thing, but you're guessing, okay, should I go right? Should I go left? Should I stick with my assignment? You want defensive players to think like that. Let them overguess. And that's why you do some of the window dressing, no yep. question. All right, Jeff in Rhode Island. We've heard from Jeff in a while. Jeff, I'm happy you're a final caller heading yeah. into this big game. What do you got I'm, for us? I'm still around, buddy. I'm still around. I hey, see your look, tweets. Uh... I know that, Jeff. I see your tweets. <laughs> No matter how the game turns out tomorrow night, I just got to say I'm just hugely so uh, satisfied with the season because none of us saw this coming for sure back in August. Nobody had a clue this was going to happen. And the other thing I got for you is uh, the only tune I want to hear tomorrow night around 1130 is Die Eagles Die. <laughs> So let's go Giants, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Yes, I, I think that's one tune that nobody wants to be hearing. The, the Eagles fight song a lot on Saturday night because that would, that would be a bad thing. I would assume so, yes. Absolutely. Um, Jeff, good stuff. It's good to hear from you, man. Thank you for the call. Fans, you get a great job all week. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for sticking with us on Big Blue Kickoff Live and our other shows in our Giants podcast network. We appreciate you being with us. Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved. Zero never tasted so good. No BBK tomorrow, but if you want to 
Check out some of our content. Make sure you tune in to WFAN at 6.15 for our pregame show. Lance Meadow, myself, Jonathan Casillas, Paul Dottino. We'll get you ready for game time for a two-hour pregame, and then we'll be with you two hours after the game with Brian Dable at the podium, all the reaction from the locker room. Lance and Jonathan will have all the analysis from WFAN Studios for two hours after the game. So make sure you go check that out on WFAN or go to WFAN.com or the Odyssey app to listen in. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmelk. Thank you so much for being with us. Enjoy the game this weekend, everybody, and hopefully we'll have a happy Monday here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you then. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.